You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. If you want to follow along in your Bible this morning, good luck, because we're going to be all over the place, but trust me, it all comes from the Bible. You'll see it up on the screen. The main place I want to go this morning is to the account of the, the, the gospel writer Luke in his accounting of the story of this coming Christ and a specific thing that he, he talks about in the story and it's joy. Joy is a gift. Before you actually do joy, you have to receive it. And, and it comes to us in Christ. When I'm getting ready to preach a sermon, often it goes around in my head for a long time before I actually come up here. And this one's been turning in my head for a long time. A couple weeks ago, I was in Westlake. I was driving home on Stearns Avenue and kind of thinking about this stuff and talking to Ellen. And I noticed in my rearview mirror that the guy behind me, his car was like wiggling or something. So I locked in in my rearview mirror and then I saw that he was waving at me. I thought, well, I don't know. And then he's like pointing a finger at me. And I'm thinking, that doesn't seem nice. So then I looked at his face and he's like screaming at me and it didn't sound like he was blessing me, though I couldn't hear it. I'm thinking, man, I could probably offend this guy if he'd give me time, but I didn't even have time. Like, was I driving too slow? Well, maybe he's from Michigan. I don't know. I don't know what his problem is. Did I just say that? (laughs) Well, we got to the corner, and he turned, and no, he wasn't from Michigan at all. In fact, not only is he from Ohio, but he had an Olmstead Falls bulldog sign. I'm thinking, what? The good brother, like, if that's all it took to make you miserable... It's not going to be a good day. So I want to talk to you this morning about joy. Because joy is not for Sunday mornings. Joy is for life. And what does that even look like? A number of years ago, we were pastoring a church in West Africa in the city of Abidjan. And one morning, a a woman came. She was a visitor. She was actually from a country pretty far north of us, right on the coast in North Africa, and young woman, she's a medical doctor, and met her after the service, and say, what, how'd you come here this morning? Like, what, what brought you? She said, well, it was the weirdest thing. I just moved here like a month ago, and my apartment's like two blocks from here, and yesterday I was walking by, and I'm walking by in the morning, and I hear this singing. So I thought, well, that's strange. So I stopped, and whoever it was, They sang for a couple hours. And she said, I've never heard anything like that. It's just beautiful. So I had to come and find out why are these people singing? If you've ever thought about that before, there's very few things in the world that get groups of people together to sing together. It takes something really big. That's what happened 2,000 years ago on a hill right outside of Jerusalem like the way G.K. Chesterton says it, he says, joy, which was the small publicity of, of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Joy 
express joy. They've been part of our faith since the times of the Old Testament, David. The Psalms are like replete with these expressions of joy. Yesterday, uh, Saturdays, I have this like rhythm routine I go through to get ready for Sunday. So I come to my office and there's this whole thing I do. And so yesterday, I'm getting in. There's a certain time that I go and I sit in my chair and I take my notes and I sit down with them and I'm just going to think through them and pray through them. And I sat down and my phone buzzes. It's Nick. Hey, did you send me an email this morning? Uh, no, I don't send emails to anybody on Saturday. Why are you asking? Well, I got an email from you and this is, doesn't look good. I got hacked. Somebody got my name and sent out a bunch of emails. If you got one, um, I'm so, yeah, wow. Sorry, uh, that wasn't from me. And I was just getting ready to preach about joy. Took the next three hours figuring out how to unhack myself. Actually, I did very little, but I, I was back and forth trying to figure out Stuff can just take your joy away. So how do you live in joy? Well, I decided, you know what? I better figure this out because I got to preach about it tomorrow. So the night of Jesus' birth, this is what happened. An angel was sent from heaven to announce the good news, and the people chosen were a group of shepherds. This is what the account says. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The shepherds were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. It's everywhere in this story. We have this tradition in our country uh, that at Christmas time, when we see people, what we say to them is this. We say, Merry Christmas. A couple weeks ago, I was out with friends. We were in a neighborhood in Olmsted Falls going around knocking on people's doors, singing songs. Nobody asked us for an encore, but nobody threw anything either. And at each door, we would end it with this song that you all know and love. We wish you a Merry Christmas. I'm standing there singing and I'm thinking, what does that even mean? Like, what am I asking for these people? What am I wishing on them? So I went home and I looked it up. And what, what does Mary mean? It's not really a word that we use in our daily lives. What does it mean? Well, this is what it means. It means laughingly happy, cheerful, synonyms of mirth and gladness. I'm not trying to be like this humbug. I'm just... I'm just curious. But it's strange that if you asked any of the people who live this actual story, they probably wouldn't use words like mirth and happy and glad. In fact, it wasn't an easy journey for most of them. Mary and Joseph spent a number of years running as refugees. The, the shepherds, a couple of years after Jesus' birth, Soldiers came into the town where he was born and killed all the children two years and younger. But yet the gospel writer says, this is news of great joy. So what that means 
is if the joy that it's talking about is not just for people who everything's going good, then it's not really joy. That if this is true, it's true for everybody. A message of profound joy. What, what, what exactly is joy? Well, it's actually something that's not too hard to perceive, but it's harder to define. So I stole a definition. I think it comes a little bit close. It's from Pastor Rick Warren. He says this, what is joy? Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life and this quiet confidence that ultimately he's got this. And then a determined choice to praise God in every situation. The Bible is full of joy. But only on a couple occasions does it say great joy. There's one of them. So how do you, how do you walk in joy? Here's the first question. Where, where does joy come from? What's the source of joy? Psalm 16 says this, speaking about God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where does joy come from? It comes from God. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God is always joyful. There's nothing that you can do to make him more joyful. Everything he needs, he already has. You can't take away from his joy either. It, it, this is the way that Thomas Aquinas says it. God is happiness by his essence. For he is happy not from acquisition or participation of something else, but by his very essence. On the other hand, men are happy by participation. If we're going to be joyful, it, it has to come from somewhere else. God doesn't need anything else. So, so you might ask, what's he so happy about? Well, the first thing he's happy about is himself. He totally delights in... He, he reveals himself as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And the three of them live in this delight for one another. They love each other. I don't really even know how to explain that. The, the closest I can come is, is my wife and my daughters. There's things sometimes that just, I don't even know how to explain it. It just delights me. I see them do something or something. This weekend, my girls came home. Praise God for Google. I mean, you can follow the whole thing. She's now at exit whatever. And you're, there I am watching a map with a little dot moving across it. But there's just this delight. Like, and, and that's what God lives all the time in his relationship with himself. And he... He created us so that we could join in the dance. Why, why else is he joyful? Well, he's also joyful because he delights in everything he did. The, the universe, the trees. The, I don't know if you've ever been, in, you've been walking somewhere, you're in the mountains or you're by the ocean, and you just look up and you go, oh my, that is amazing. Like you feel this, that is amazing. God does that all the time. 
Like, he, he sees the whole thing. When I was in college, we had this, like, fish aquarium in a room. We had four or five um, tropical fish. I love just looking at them. They're amazing. Don't feed tropical fish baloney. <laughs> that didn't go well. But before that, they were beautiful. But God has oceans full of things that he's created. And he just delights it. That's amazing. He's joyful all the time. That's who he is. Here's the second idea. All of us actually long for joy. We long for happiness. It's something that God put in us to point us to him. I like the way that John Piper frames it. He says, this, this is the tension. We believe that we were created by God for God. We're created to honor him. He says, in everything you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. May my person just honor you. Then on the other side, we have this thing inside of us that wants to be happy. We just, want, we just want to be happy. So how do you be happy and honor God? Like, how do, you, how do you live with that tension? And he says, actually, there isn't any tension because it's the same thing. The way that you know joy is in him. And the more you honor him, the deeper the joy that you know. He goes on to say that, unfortunately, we often look for other sources of joy. It's not wrong to want joy, but there's only one source that actually can produce it. He's the only one that can ultimately bring us joy. And Piper says that what brings God the most glory in us is when we are the most satisfied with him. Think about that. It doesn't really help to obey God if you don't actually like him. How does that give honor to God? But when we delight in him, the more we delight in him, the more honored he is and the more joy that we know. It's, it's really a beautiful There are delights that we can know on earth. But all of them, C.S. Lewis says, are simply tastes of that. None of them are ultimate joy. But when we make them ultimate joy, we destroy joy. Food is a great thing. You're looking at me going, yeah, it seems like you really believe that. I do. <laughs> Food's great. It actually is wonderful, but it can't be ultimate joy. Alcohol, sex, all of those things are these gifts from God, but they can't actually bring you joy. Only God can. And so when you make what's not ultimate, ultimate, it actually destroys joy. I like the way John Piper illustrates it. He says, one day he's out in his garden and 
like working for two, three hours, 95 degrees. He's not even thinking about eating or drinking because he's just doing this work. And then he gets done and he realizes, man, I am really thirsty. And so he goes over to the hose and he grabs the hose and he just starts, and then he's just so thirsty, he just starts drinking out of the hose. He said, why am I drinking out of the hose? I'm doing it because I'm thirsty. All of us are thirsty. And Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you living water. But Piper says, our temptation is to believe the lies of the enemy and go over and eat dirt. Because he convinces us that dirt will make you happy. But it can't. Joy is found in him. What are the dimensions of the joy that he's talking about? This is what he says. And this is Jesus talking to his friends. John 15, he's sharing a meal with them sharing the Last Supper, and he says to them this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What, what is he talking about? We, he, he was explaining to them that this is how this will work. I'm not going to be here. My spirit will come. And if you will abide in me and you will allow my words to, to abide in you, if you'll join to me, my joy will fill you, and it will fill you full. Talking about joy in the full sense of the word. When we use the word joy, what are we even talking about? This satisfaction, this delight. Is it sequential? Is it silent? What does it look like? All of those things. There's times when joy is just like this it's, you just feel like dancing. This is wonderful. The prophet says it this way. There's weeping for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And there's sometimes you experience that, and it's just the, the best word for it is just happy. You're just joyful. But if that's all it is, then it doesn't really help us. Because that's not what our lives often look like. Bible also talks about a simultaneous joy. That even in the deepest valley, joy can walk with us. Paul writes from a prison cell and he says to us, rejoice! When you get out. No, no, no. Right now, right where you are, rejoice. Walk in joy right now. In a deep valley, Paul and Silas in prison sang. There's this sweet, precious, deep satisfaction in the darkest of times, the delight in the depth of God's mercy in this foundation that he's given us to stand on even though everything around us is rocking. So sometimes joy is this laughing delight, but at other times it's this unshakable satisfaction in God. He says that it fills the whole universe. God's joy fills everything, and he's praying that it will fill us. When the, when the shepherds came to announce this to the 
to the shepherds, or when the angels came to announce this to the shepherds, they said, glory to God, where? In the highest places. That this news is literally going to fill the whole universe. It's so amazing. He goes on to say that it will be for all people. His glory, this message, is going to begin to fill the whole earth. And it's happening. Do you know one of the places that you can see this most poignantly in our culture? Is in prison. God is doing an unusual thing in our generation in prisons. Sending servants of his in there. And there are people whose lives are being transformed. Joy can go anywhere. Because it's not joy. It's the author of joy. So, it's filling the earth. And he says it goes to the deepest places. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not a happy place. But there's something that you learn there that you would never ever know. That the presence of God will walk with you wherever you go. There's a satisfaction, a delight. Paul says it like this. He says, if I live, it's Christ. Like, that's gain. If I stay here, it's, it's Christ. That's gain. If I die, it's gain. That's kind of what they call a win-win. That, that this one who has come to be with us brings joy and it's on this side, it's on the other side, wherever he is. One of my privileges as a pastor is I often get to walk with people when they are in, in difficult places. People are in their last weeks before passing away. You watch people walk through that, you see some really beautiful things. People facing death, but with this quiet confidence that if I live, it's going to be gain. But if I die, it's going to be gain. But you also see people who get to that place and they're like grabbing on. I can't let go of my family. I can't let go of it. How does that honor God? I want you to come be with me eternally. We're hanging on to this stuff that it's meaningless. So how do you walk in joy? Let me close with just a couple thoughts. The scripture teaches us to choose joy. Paul says it like this, joy and rejoy. Why do you rejoy? Because joy is easy to, to, to lose. <laughs> you got to rejoy. Paul says it like this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, let me repeat it. 
rejoice. Joy is actually rooted in gratitude. And the secret of gratitude is focus. It's a resolute focusing on God as opposed to focusing on fear. And that is your choice. So Paul says, rejoice always. And in case you, you didn't hear it, he repeats it. Let me say it again. Rejoice. Well, have you ever thought about this? But the opposite of joy is not sorrow. You can walk in deep sorrow and no deep joy. The opposite of joy is fear. Ann Voskamp says that all fear is but the notion that God's love ends. It doesn't. It's forever. So you see the picture? You don't have to make joy. You just have to live in it. You don't have to fabricate it. You don't have to say positive things to get it. He's inviting you into something that already exists. It's in him. Did I mention that yesterday I got hacked? Okay, I did mention that. If you have the choice, don't do it. It's just not a fun experience. I decided right at the beginning, okay, I'm going to be joyful. Like, this is what happened, that's what happened. Got to the end of the day and I looked back and, wow, there's some really beautiful things. I, I had people call me, one friend called me and said, hey, I'm on my way out the door to buy the eBay card that you wanted, just wanted to make sure I'm getting the right thing. I thought, wow. How kind that he trusted me. That I mean, it's like $400. So if you got one, you can just give it to me after. No, just kidding. <laughs> also had two friends that, that helped me. Like, I'd still be swimming in it. I don't, I don't have any idea how this stuff happens. But took time on the Saturday before Christmas. Wow, all the blessings. The joy is, is, is a limitless thing. So you might be asking yourself, Pastor, great message. But how do you actually do that? We've been doing during this month, just taking time to hear from different people in our church family about God at work. And so I invited one of our church family to come and talk just for a couple minutes about the journey that they've been on and what, what joy looks like. I, I met the Birchfields, Jerry and Nancy, right when we started this church. I think it was Jan Miranda called me and said, hey, I don't know if you met the Birchfields, but they're in the hospital, and it's Christmas time. Would you go see them? Cleveland Clinic went up. All I knew was that uh, Jerry had had surgery. He was having a really rough time. I got in the room, and this is what I found. I found sorrow, and I found joy. And every time I visited them in the ensuing years, I always walked away more blessed than I'm sure any blessing that they got from me. Because they walked in this beautiful joy in the middle of a crazy thing. So I'm going to invite Nancy to come. I think you're going to love hearing from her. And then we'll close together. Nancy, thanks. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for <clears throat> inviting me up here to share our story with you today. During the year 2016, my husband spent 150 days in the hospital. 
It was a complex and painful journey for sure. But before I tell you about that experience, I'd like to flip the calendar back uh, several years to 1987. Jerry and I both surrendered our lives to the Lord after uh, attending a Christian marriage conference that year. Jerry has always maintained that the Lord led him to that conference, but that I dragged him there. <laughs> the decision that uh, to just surrender our lives to the Lord that day made all the difference in our relationship with one another, in our family lives, and in the story that I'm about to tell you today. Jerry was admitted into the clinic on December 22nd, 2015, three days before Christmas, exactly four years ago today. A month prior, he had undergone spinal surgery to replace two very compressed discs in his neck. And uh, earlier that year, he started experiencing a lot of dizziness, instability on his feet, fainting spells, and plummeting blood pressure. This next surgery was supposed to help with all that, correct it, but instead things got much worse. A couple of weeks after that November surgery, Jerry became very, very unstable on his feet, more than he was before the operation, and he also became very, very confused. By the time we admitted him into the hospital on December 22nd, he had no idea what day it was, he had no idea where he was, and uh, before it all ended, he uh, eventually could not even remember my name. He cried on that day. It, it was very hard for my children and me to see Jerry this way because prior to this, he had been very healthy, still working, leading a very active life. Suddenly, the husband and father that we all knew and counted on was gone. A second MRI now revealed that he had fluid building up in his brain, and we were told that that fluid was responsible for all of his confusion. So we underwent two brain surgeries to relieve the pressure. But on top of that, he was diagnosed with a very rare form of spinal meningitis that required a four-week treatment with a very harsh intravenous drug. After a month in the clinic, he was released to Southwest General for therapy. Slowly, he regained his cognition, and after a month of rehab, he was able to walk with the aid of a, a walker, and we were sent home. But the worst was yet to come. In just a couple of weeks, he started experiencing very, very severe spasms in his legs, and his tendons began to contract so that his legs were, became very rigid and drawn into his body. He was in and out of the hospital for a year uh, with various complications, but during the whole time, nobody was able to come up with a solution for the spasms the, or the immobility. Jerry was bedridden and wheelchair-bound for more than a year. Pastor Joel just shared with us uh, about the, the uh, gift of joy, and you m might be wondering where the joy is in this story so far. Well, amazingly, it was there in the midst of all of this. There were plenty of tears and lots of uncertainty, but while none of us were happy uh, about our circumstances, incredibly, we, didn't, we did experience joy. Way back in 1987, as new Christians, the truth that impacted us the most that was once we surrendered our lives to Christ, the same 
power that uh, raised Christ from the dead was now living inside of us. And Jerry was somehow able to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and rise above his terrible circumstances at the very lowest point in his life. He was my hero. Through it all, he never complained. Even in the most confused state, he was patient, pleasant, and kind to his caregivers. And they were so gentle, kind, patient, and loving in return. They absolutely loved Jerry. Blessed are the caregivers, for in them we have seen Christ. Pastor Josiah's dad, John, wrote that in his book uh, about his own uh, mysterious medical journey. I believe being able to see Christ in others uh, and Jerry allowing others to see Christ in him is the first reason why we were able to receive joy in the middle of all this uncertainty. Secondly, the love and support of our own children and their spouses uh, who were there with us every day brought us great joy. Because of the, their efforts and resourcefulness, we were able to celebrate Christmas 2015 New Year's, Valentine's, the 4th of July, and our August wedding anniversary in the hospital that year. As my son put it, we really figured out how to throw quite a party in that setting. Finally, the outpouring of love from our extended families, from our Christian circle of friends, from our homeschool group, and from Hope Church allowed us to feel God's presence in a very special way. That brought us great joy. As I said in the beginning, having surrendered our lives to the Lord made all the difference. We would have missed it all had it not been for Christ in us. Neither Jerry nor I would have been able to receive the gift of joy that the Lord had for us as we walked this path. The way I see it, joy was a gift from God, but the loving people he put on our path served as the gift wrap. Jerry is walking now. The Lord eventually led us to a team of doctors at UH who um, had a solution for us. On May 24th, 2017, Jerry underwent yet another surgery. Uh, a pump which strips medication directly into his spine was implanted, and the medication miraculously and instantly took away the spasms. Then through therapy, Jerry's tendons were relaxed, and by November 2017, he left his wheelchair behind. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be up here today to thank you, Hope Church, for loving us through this experience and for helping us experience joy along the way. And I know we have no monopoly on hard stories. Uh, you may be walking through one right now. This Christmas, may you experience the unspeakable, inexpressible joy that comes only from knowing Christ as your personal Savior. I'm going to close this morning in this way. You may be here this morning and hearing about joy is like a dagger in your soul. It's just not where you're living right now. I'm going to close with a song that's it's a prayer. And if, if that's not where you are this morning, would you just use this moment to reach out to the Lord and just ask him to meet you and, and to let you know the opposite of of joy is not sorrow it's fear fear pushes us away the solution to fear is to know the never-ending 
unfailing love of your heavenly Father. So would you just let him pour that over you this morning? I'm going to invite the team to come, uh, and then in a moment I'll invite you to stand, and we'll sing this as a closing prayer. Father, thanks for the reminders this morning. You came into our into our world, into our lives. There's no suffering that we walk in that you haven't experienced so that we would know that, that you love us. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you. And in closing, ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to minister to each one that's here this morning that the fullness of your joy will pour itself out. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with Him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.